Welcome to the Mental Health and Faith, A Closer Look podcast. This is Carolyn Cooper with In God's Corner Ministry. My prayer is that God will use this podcast to bring you encouragement for life in a complicated world, especially in topics related to mental health, our recovery journey, and living as a Christian with a mental illness. May God bless your time listening today, and may He bring you encouragement. Hi, this is Carolyn. I am here again with Dr. James Clark, an author, the President Emeritus of Calvary University, uh, also previously known as Calvary Bible College and Theological Seminary, and he is helping us understand how to deal with conflict biblically, based on his book, Dealing with Conflict Biblically, that was just published this year. Uh, Our first episode was fantastic. I hope that you had lots of suggestions for how to plan on getting together with your family over the holidays in a way that will be filled with peace and joy and no conflict or as little conflict as possible. Uh, But today what we're going to talk about is how to create lasting change. We don't want this just to be a momentary uh, peace in the family, a one-time truce. We want families, I want my family, to be able to get together and know that we have changed our hearts, we've, we've changed our focus, we've changed in our spirit in a way that will make our families healthier. So Dr. Clark, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so glad that we're doing this again. <laughs> uh, I want to start because there is the cutest little story that you have at yes. the beginning of chapter <laughs> six, and it goes like this. There's a quaint little story about a very small frog that fell into a deep rut in a road. His friends came by and looked in and asked him, what's the matter? The little frog said, I can't get out. I've tried all morning and I just can't jump out. His friends tried to help him, but to no avail. Later that afternoon, the friends passed by the same spot, but their little friend wasn't there. They searched about, and finally they found their friend hopping around in the grass. We thought you couldn't get out. I couldn't, he said. But then a big truck came along, and I had to. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And then you say, sometimes people get in a deep rut and become used to it. So when he had to get out, he got out. (laughs) Right. All right. So does that sound familiar to anyone? (laughs) So this chapter is all about creating change. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And then I think uh, I'd love to hear you talk about one of your suggestions uh, that that you have to, to get us started is on seeking feedback from others and not assuming your method is right, which we'll get to that. So why don't you first talk a little bit about what, what is this chapter all about? Well, uh, the title of the, the chapter, you know, is Creating Lasting Change. So uh, the kind of change that we're talking about, uh, I believe, can only happen if the Lord and the Spirit of God is active in mm-hmm. bringing about that change. So it's not me forcing some change into my own right. life. Right. I just, as much as I would like to be able to say I have the ability and power and strength to make these changes, pull myself up with my bootstraps, mm-hmm. I, 
I still stumble and fall. And we do as believers too. <laughs> but the lasting change has to be the work of God in our heart and our life. And as he is working on us uh, and we're obedient to him and to his word, and we learn the principles of scripture for growth uh, in our life, that will be lasting change. That, that's going to carry us through. We become overcomers, the Bible says. I love that word. Yeah. I do. Overcomers. And, and that's because of God and mm -hmm. what he does in our life. So we give him the credit uh, for God be the glory. And, and, uh, but it has to start for a lasting change. You can't do it. And you're just going to find yourself constantly frustrated. If you think you can do this, we live in a, in a society that pretty well tries to tell you, you can do it. Yes. Um, just do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that type of thing. But uh, when we're talking about the developing of our character and the spiritual growth of our life, uh, that cannot be done unless we look to the Lord for strength, guidance, help, and wisdom. Uh, I've often said that, that um, believers have the advantage over against non-believers. Mm -hmm. And God has given us uh, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the family of God, mm -hmm. prayer, uh, other um, elements like Christian music, Christian literature, Christian education, all of these kinds of things. Those are resources that God allows us to have to strengthen us yes. and help us. And so often when I talk to counselees, I say, are you in the word growing in the Lord? Well, I don't do that much. Well, God gave you that as a resource mm -hmm. to help you. Right. Do you look to the Spirit of God to develop the fruit of the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit and be obedient? Not always. Well, when I go through these different resources, it's like there they are and you're not taking advantage of them. No wonder you're here for counseling. Right. I don't tell them that, but, 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 but that's, that is the truth. Well, you know, the point, the point you're making is, is so true that I think sometimes a believer gets used to going to church and hearing the sermon and going home and living their life and then going back to church or maybe going to Sunday school and, yeah. and not really, like you said, taking advantages, advantage of all the amazing resources God has put here for us for that personal growth and that personal relationship yeah. with him. And as you were talking, I got to thinking, wow, this is kind of taking the pressure off of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the pressure's not on me to change. Yeah. All I have to do is use these resources God has put into my life and let him he begins work. begins to change. work. Yeah. yeah. So there's so there's no pressure. Yeah. Really, if you think about it, that's a different mindset for me. It is. 
Yeah, and I, I remember one time when I was a pastor, I had a, um, a deacon in my church that I heard his testimony, and he was in the service, mm-hmm. and this was some years ago, and uh, he wasn't a believer, mm-hmm. and he had a foul mouth, mm-hmm. and he said that um, another soldier invited him to a church service, and and it was for for servicemen, mm-hmm. and and so it was all servicemen that went to this like chapel service, right. And he heard the gospel, and he never heard it before. Mm-hmm. And he did what they said. He he went to God, and he, you know, accepted Christ and and repented of his sins. And uh, but he didn't tell his wife. Oh. And because <laughs> he just didn't know about those things. Right. Right. And and he and he told us. He said one day, my wife said. I want to know what's going on in your life. You've changed. And he looked at her and he says, what are you talking about? She says, well, you would fly off the handle and you would have all of these terrible, vulgar words and swearing. You haven't sworn all day and you had reason to. What made the difference? Wow. (laughs) He didn't know that. Wow. And he said... Well, I went to this service, and, and I asked God to forgive me, and, and I wanted to live for him and, and believe in him, but I didn't know what that all really meant. And now you're telling me, and I just realized, wow, he kind of cleaned up my act a little bit. <laughs> you know. So that's what God does. Yeah. He begins to work, and, and sometimes we don't even recognize that we're growing in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then somebody begins to say, hey, I see this in you, and and so it's it's God that works as we're obedient to Him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, in a in in heaven, where all of us believe and all of us are there to worship our King, I just it's I can't wait. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But here on Earth, in our families, we're not all in the same place. Yeah, as you know, we may we may be in a family that has believers and non-believers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's challenging. It's tricky. Yeah. So I want to look at some of these these specific things that you have listed in here on creating change. Okay. And talk about how maybe if we look at these, that can help us in letting God bring the change in our lives that will help our family relationship to be stronger, whether or not we're all believers or not, or not in the same place or whatever, because that is possible, right? To have a strong family, even if it's one that's kind of mixed. You know, I'll tell you a story. Yes, please do. (laughs) And then we'll get to these points. I had an unusual situation happen. A lady came to me for counseling and I never met her before. And, um, she was in a, a church, and she heard about me and doing counseling. And she said, uh, sir, I am here because I realize that I grew up in a terrible home. Mm-hmm. And, and most of my family, they don't know the Lord. And particularly my mother, she is just wicked. She's vile. She's terrible. And I was so glad to finally get out of that house. 
And she said, I want you to know that I finally have come to the point where I need to forgive her. Mm. And I said, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? And she says, I just want you to hear me pray that I have forgiven my mother so that there's a witness to hear that I prayed it. Oh, okay. And I said, well, okay. So she prayed. And when she got done, I says, well, you've done step one. Mm -hmm. She says, step one? I said, yeah, you, you went to God and you said, I need to forgive my mother. And, and you declared that you did. So that's step one. She says, well, what's step two? I said, step two is you go to your mother mm -hmm. and you tell her that you went to God and you tell her that you've had bitterness and resentment and anger towards her all these years and you become a believer in Christ and, and, and you need her forgiveness because you've had this spirit against her. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't do that. I said, well, then you just negated step one. Right. Oh, well, I got to think about it. So she left. I figured I'd just never see her again. Yeah, yeah, that's because that's a tough thing. <laughs> so she came back and she said, okay, um, I listened to you and I heard what you said and I think you're right. I do need to see my mother. Oh. And she says, we don't live in the same town anymore, but we're going to go see her. And, and she said, uh, pray for me that I will have the courage to talk to her. Mm -hmm. And I said, I certainly will. So a few weeks later, she comes back. And she says, I just want you to know I did it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I said, well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, now, now you're ready for step three. <laughs> And she looked at me and she says, what are you talking about? Isn't that all I'm supposed to do? And I says, no, no, you got to do step three. Oh, well, you have to tell me what it is. I said, well, the first time you were in, you told me that there's only one other member of the family that's a believer, and that's your sister. Oh, and okay. you told me that the two of you talk on the phone a lot and basically lambast your family because they're all unbelievers. Uh, okay. Now, believers shouldn't be talking that way. Believers should be saying, we got to pray for our family. Mm -hmm. We got to figure out how we can relate to them uh, because their lifestyle is different than ours. And, and, and what we've been doing is staying away from them because we don't want to be around them. And I said, that's not the spirit. You need to call your sister and say, I've been wrong in my conversation with you, talking so badly about mom and the rest of the family. Right. Wow. Oh, hmm. I guess you're right. So she did that. Oh, my goodness. She came back. <laughs> I, I know it sounds bizarre, but this is a true story. She came back, and I said, Doug, Oh, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you did that. You did step one, you did step two, step three. Now you got to do three, do four. Are you telling me there's a fourth step now? <laughs> I said, yes, there is. She says, this is amazing. What is that step? 
I said, well, you also told me in that first session that you're always talking about this family of yours. Your children have been listening to this oh. for years. Mm -hmm. Your husband has been hearing about how bad your family is. And you don't go anywhere around them. And they've been influenced by you towards their own grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and all. Mm -hmm. Because they're not believers or wow. bad. So you got to get that straightened out with your own immediate family. And she says, oh, you're right. So she went home. She came back. And she said, uh, I had to ask for forgiveness of my kids, the way I've talked to my, about my family. Got to get forgiveness from my husband. And um, she said, I want you to know I did that. And I said, we're going to go see this family over holiday, and we're going to love them. Oh. And we're going to be with them. And they're, they will say things that we don't say, kids. And they will drink things we don't drink. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be there because that's family. And um, she says, please don't tell me there's a step five. <laughs> and I said, I can't think of one. I think you covered all the bases. What a transformation. So sometime later, I don't know, several months mm -hmm. later, Doris and I went to a, um, a restaurant, fast food. Mm -hmm. We walked in and... I saw her, and she saw me at the same time, wow. and her family was there. And she looked at me, and she says, you got to come over here and see my family. Mm -hmm. and, and I went over there, and she said to her husband and kids, this is the man who talked to me about loving my family. Oh. So, <laughs> you know, to see that, as you say, the transformation um, she got her heart right, and she did the steps, and as a result, she's got a good family, looking at people with different eyes. That is amazing. So that is, that's real. Yeah. That is real. Oh my goodness, I'm, yeah. I'm getting emotional. I know. I do too. Every time I think of it, I tell it. You know, that's, that's taking what you are sharing and showing how important it is. Yeah. Because, you know, I know I tend to, uh, you know, every family, maybe not every family, but, but I know my family is mixed on believers and non-believers and such. Every family. Every family. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, I mean, how much, how much more powerful is it to love someone when you all know you don't believe the same things, yeah. yet you're still there loving them. Well, God loved us yes. while we were. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard that somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and and you know, I wrote in my book, the goal for us is to be redemptive. Yes. Redemptive in relationships. Right. And and conflict is always about bringing our differences and concerns under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where it. 
that's where it needs to go. That's what it's about. Wow. Well, I tell you what, that that story, I think, I we don't have that much time left. Yeah. And it was well worth hearing that full story <laughs> because I, I am sure there are many people who were listening to this and thinking, I need that step yeah. and that step and that step. I think what I want to do to close is in this – uh, in the, you have nine steps. Uh, I think, yeah, there's nine steps that you have throughout this chapter on creating lasting change uh, that, that go along with how that change happens. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to talk about the eighth and ninth steps because okay. I think we have time to just cover those uh, quickly. And I think they're so important and they go right along with the story you just told because I'm just going to read real quick. This okay. is on page 89 of your book. You say, for change to take place, it must begin in one's heart, motivation, as well as in one's outward expression, behavior. Therefore, the eighth step is to establish the right thinking. And then you have a quote from your, your previous book. The selfish way of thinking consists of feelings that influence actions or behavior, which influence thinking. The right way of thinking is to think scripturally. Godly thinking will influence godly attitudes, which then will influence godly behavior. So establishing the right thinking. It's, it's so important. Um, we are bombarded with how we should think. Yes. Um, our society, you know, the, the woke emphasis, you, you should think this way. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much that children grow up learning by influence how to think. Mm -hmm. And we have been created in the image of God. So we think. Mm -hmm. And how we think is so significant. And our, our minds, I, I think I gave it illustrations like a computer you know, it's it's going to save all that stuff. It's mm. always there, right? And and um, you know, Paul said that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm -hmm. So there's a significant element to our growth, and it is our thinking. And uh, so. When we think, we can either think sinfully or we can think spiritually. And whichever that is will influence our attitude. Right. Our attitude, in turn, influences our behavior. So those three are like chains. Okay. They're, you know, they're linked, they're together. linked together. So thinking, attitude, and behavior. And so this is this is where we begin and and we have to think God's way. My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not mm -hmm. your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So what are your ways? What are your thoughts? Well, it's in the word of God. So how how does God want us to think? And we look at either direct commands in scripture or we look at principles of scripture. Right. And, and we think on those things. We meditate on those things. And, and we let those things be what we 
take in. And whatever we take in is going to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm always amazed when in conversation or teaching or preaching that that quick, there'll be a verse that will come to my memory. Well, I had to have learned the verse first. Right. And I probably have read it many times and heard it many times for it to be absorbed in my thinking. And, and then at the proper time, it just is there. It's I, amazing when that happens. It is. So that's what we mean by thinking. Okay. We, we got to get on the right thinking track. And so many people are not thinking biblically. That's why no, the book is not. dealing no. with conflict biblically. So. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, you're right. I, I'm i hoping that with this podcast and with all my podcasts, really, I really want it to be obvious that the Word of God is is a resource. Uh, you know, um, let's look at the last one there. Number but that's nine. very good about Thinking biblically. All right, so the ninth and final suggested step is to focus on others rather than on self. Mm -hmm. So can you talk just uh, about that real quick? It has to do with one's focus. Okay. So if my focus is all of the crud, all of the conflict, all of the hurt, everything that has happened to me, I become introspective and I camp there. Mm -hmm. And I start thinking, mm -hmm. I've been hurt, I've been deceived, uh, I've been attacked. And, and so when we allow all of that to just dredge, you know, up in our soul, uh, we're contaminated. Well, it's like the lady in the story. Yeah. When she came in, that's where she was when she first came in. Yeah. Thinking of all that, that had been done to her. Yeah. Oh. So wow. we 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 yes. know all these things, and everybody goes through them. Mm -hmm. Some more than others, but there's conflict in in everything. So what we need to do is look away from ourselves once in a while <laughs> and say, "Okay, Lord, I I got to get out of this self pity right. party I'm in. What do I do?" Paul says in Philippians, "Don't think of yourself, but look into others." And, and the more you focus away from self and help other people, the better off you are going to be. I think that if we would take that mindset, that thinking, and that focus to our families right. through this holiday season that's coming up and really, like you said, focus outward on them, it might, it might make a big difference. It make a big difference. Go. I tell you what, our, our time is up. I, I could just keep chatting because <laughs> this is so good. And it's, it's really encouraging me and inspiring me to do better in my family relationship. So I want to thank you for that. And I would ask, would you like to pray for our listeners you bet. to close? Father, we thank you for who you are, what you mean to us, what you've done for us. And Lord, we thank you that... Uh, by your spirit and your word, that uh, our, our goal is to be like Christ. And to do that, we have to be obedient. We have to look to you in all things and release those things 
know that they're forgiven and look forward to helping others and doing that which would be obedient in your eyes as we follow you. Thank you so much for this time together, and we commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for joining me today. I hope the information provided has been helpful and encouraging and can equip you to have a better understanding of the connection between mental health and faith. I am always open to your comments, questions, and suggestions, so please send me an email at carolyn at ingodscorner.org, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you, and may God bless your journey.